Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Fifth Pillar, a podcast where we bring on guests from the University of Valley Forge to talk about different relatable subjects. Today we are so excited that our guest is Professor Dom Garcia. Um, if you've ever had Professor Garcia in class, that uh, you know that he always tries to initiate some thought-provoking conversations with his students. I was fine arts was never like a favorite subject of mine, but I had it last last semester with Professor Garcia, and it ended up being one of my favorite classes. So, Professor Garcia, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you both for having me. Excited to be here this morning. Also, what made you come to this podcast? Well, you guys. You know, Danielle and Ben are great students, and I, I appreciate being asked. And I think the subject matter is important, especially for this season of life uh, as young people at a college. Definitely, thank you. So that leads into what we're going to be talking about today. It's a subject that I think a lot of us can relate to, and maybe could use some advice on, especially with Valentine's Day being three days ago. So yeah, that's right. We will be talking about relationships, specifically Christian relationships. So what would your overall advice be for Christian students, not just UVF students, on uh, when it comes to navigating, dating, and relationships? So I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and for me, when you look at, so I'm going to get theological immediately, I apologize. Um, when, you, when you think about the, uh, the Westminster Catechism, it literally begins by saying the chief aim of man, which is just people, is to glorify God and to delight in Him always. And so I think in any relationship, the question always is, does this glorify God? Uh, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my siblings, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with my teachers, um, my relationship, my ro romantic relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, the, the first question we have to ask is, does this glorify God? Um, and if the answer we think is yes, then I think there's something positive to build upon. If immediately it's a question of, I don't know, you're in a lot of trouble already. So I think the first thing always, like Paul says, eat or drink in all things, we glorify the Lord. So the presupposition before any relationship, any dynamic, should be, does this glorify God? Now, that's a big abstraction, of course, in many ways. And that's why we're going to unpack, I think, what we should do. But for me... The thing is, it's not about you feeling good. I mean, it's a nice element. Uh, it's not always about you finding romance, though that's nice. It's not always even finding your partner or your, your spouse. Um, we exist to, to glorify Almighty God. That, that's really who, what we are and why we exist. So my hope is that for young people, the first thing, if we think like that, it's going to change almost everything we do in our lives, to be perfectly frank, but especially the way we approach romantic relationships, which is what we're going to talk about today. Definitely. That's so good. So since coming to the University of Valley Forge, I've heard a lot about guarding my heart and really staying focused on the Lord um, in this season. But how do we balance that, that principle with navigating when it's right and okay to actually pursue somebody or look into starting early? Yeah, that's a great question. Especially as a young person, you're coming to a Christian university. The assumption is curriculum, right? Like it's a given that you're coming to a university and that you're going to grow in whatever field you're studying. But also what's great about being a part of a Christian environment is we also see the importance of biblical study, theological, and ultimately development of who you are um, as a Christian. So what I would say is this. When it comes to quote-unquote guarding one's heart, what we probably always, ha again, have to be mindful of is there are always extremes and sometimes when I was coming up, there was this thing called ring by spring. And so there was this big push to get everybody married by 18 because we were worried about um, Im uh, impurity. We were talking, we were worried about immorality. And so if we get everybody married at 18, then nobody's going to be impure, which is of course ridiculous. People who are married or can be impure. People who are single can be impure. That, that's a, that's a silly, that's a misnomer. The, s the switch has now been to monasticism. So instead of ring by spring, no one can date. 
right? Shut everything down. No one should date. Everything's bad. You're only here for four years. Both of those extremes, I don't think, are healthy. To be perfectly frank, um, I think it's I think it's important to be mindful that if you're 18, you probably aren't old enough to get married. You probably don't know that person. You probably aren't financially stable. Uh, you probably haven't even grown spiritually to have a sense of who you are, let alone who, what the other person is. And being une unequally yoked is a huge issue. The whole idea of monasticism, though, though I love Brother Lawrence and I love Madame Guy and I love some of the great monastic thinkers. I don't think the Lord is always calling us to that. Um, I look at priests in Catholicism. I look at nuns. And heck, I let's go read. Our audience should go read 1 Corinthians 7. Paul does ask some really interesting questions. So I'm not saying that everyone's supposed to get married. What I do see is that God in the beginning in creation says it's not good for man to be alone. It seems that he's setting forth a principle that there's unity between a man and a woman, that the home is where children are raised, where culture is dictated, the importance for the church. And so I do think this is a great place for you to actually date. I know I'm going to get in trouble for even saying that word. Um, the question isn't dating, it's how you date. So I think it's actually very healthy for young people to go on dates, to get coffee, to spend time. But again, what's the presupposition? Do I glorify God? You could spend two years spending time learning about each other, enjoying each other, um, having even the romantic feelings that you should have for the opposite sex, all these positive things. The problem always is, are you unequally yoked? And is there impurity? If those things are there, then there's codependency and you're not glorifying God and it's not healthy. But the dating itself isn't bad. It's always our ultimate fear of it's going to lead to sin and an unhealthy life. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, so dating's not bad. I know I'm gonna get in trouble on that one. Dating's not bad, but sin is, so. Going off of that, I actually have a question about the thing you said about uh, unequally and equally yoked. In what areas do you think that a couple should be equally yoked in? Because I know people talk about like spiritually, but do you think that there are other elements, you know, that? Absolutely. I mean, you, do you both wanna have children? Do you wanna live near your parents? Do you want to go overseas? I mean, there are calls in your life that are very important and that God has birthed in you. And I would say this, when I met my wife, it was one of the first things, obviously, is that I met her and I was like in love. So it was like love at first sight. You know, it was one of those things. Um, I dated different ladies over the years. I'd had long-term relationships, short-term relationships. This was the first time I instantly was like, I want to get married. So that was very, very interesting when I met my wife. But as we spent time together, as we talked, as I... I actually went to her father to ask to date her, right? So, so like I, 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 I'm, I'm all for being, and I'm friends with her brother-in-law. I was accountable to her brother-in-law. Like we, I think, did it correctly in the sense of the relational dynamic. I actually was living with my sister. I was in grad school. She was in law school. So there was great accountability all around. It was a very healthy environment to do this. Um, but we, pretty early, I was like, "Do you want to have kids?" You know what I mean? Like, what is, what is your feeling towards ministry? Because I remember I spent time with one young lady, awesome young lady, and we'd hung out and gone on a couple dates, and she's like, I'll never go to ministry. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I feel called to teach. I love media. But I kind of had this thing in me that feels like I, it's going to be important in my life at some point. Now, if something had happened down the road, I think the Lord would have worked it out. But even early on, I was like, I'm not going to give up that call for this person, especially this early. So when I'm talking unequally yoked, I'm definitely first saying spiritually. But I also think that you have to start thinking practically as well. And um, I, I, you don't wanna be pragmatic. I mean, r romance is such a beautiful, love is like, the poets are right. It's like this beautiful, like abstract space that we don't even really comprehend it. It's ultimately from God, I believe. Um, but at the same time, once you kind of get through that first level of just like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. That, then you kind of have to sit down and assess and go, 
all right, I've enjoyed being with you. I think you're an incredible person, but are you the right person for me and for the call of God in my life? I've actually, I had, I think of two times that I dated young ladies, wonderful ladies in my early twenties. They were great. They weren't right for me. The problem a lot of times is like, this person's terrible. No, they're not. You broke up with the person. The person isn't bad. They're a great person. They weren't right for you. We don't have to vilify all of our exes. Like that's such a weird thing that happens in all these rom-coms where everybody hates their ex. Like rom-coms are not the space to learn how to date, just so you know. Um, Television is not the place to learn how to date. Friends is not a good paradigm. Um, uh, Friendship is not the show Friends. But does that make sense? Definitely. So you kind of touched on this, but I have a little story to share. One time when I was in high school, a guy who I was friends with called me and he just said all these nice things to me and he was complimenting me and saying how like the Lord was working in my life and it was really cool to see. And then at the end of the call, he hung up, we said bye. And then he went and told his friends that he had told me that he liked me. But obviously that communication was not really there. So Ben has the question. So uh, what are some good communication expectations in a relationship? and specifically when it comes to communicating feelings and um, defining the relationship. This is a great one. This is a fun one. Um, I think being open and honest early on about intentions is important. Let's be honest, you meet somebody, you have a crush, you get kind of shy. Like, it does happen, and it's okay, and you're not ready yet. But if you keep getting that person coffee for class, if you like every time you guys go out at a group, you're sitting next to each other, like it's gonna get to the point where you need to now be transparent and say like, I do have feelings for you. I wanna see where this goes. Now, I'm 37, married with two children. It's very easy for me to say that. At 18, I would have died inside, right? Like like I totally acknowledge the, the 20 year gap. Um, but I mean, here's a quick story. I was dating my wife. We'd, I thought we had been dating for a couple of months. We'd been going out, hanging out, friendship, mostly group dating, right? Um, but we'd gone on dinners and stuff, and I said something to her sister about how I was dating her. Like, it was just kind of an offhanded comment, and my wife Hannah got quiet. And I was like, sweetheart, what's wrong? And she's like, you said we're dating. And I was like, well, yeah, we've been hanging out for a couple of months. What do you think we're doing? She's like, you haven't asked my dad yet. And I was like, to ask you to marry you or date you. Like, I was like, what are we doing here? And, but the point was I hadn't been clear in communication. And I said, oh man, absolutely, you got it. And her dad, her father, David, is such an amazing guy. And so I sat with him and we prayed and we talked and it was like, so some people say, well, everything you're saying, Garcia, is courting. And it's like, you're right, at 27, I was ready to court. But even before that, in other ways, I think that the healthiest relationships were the ones early on where we established who we were in the Lord, what my intentions were, and also putting in certain parameters Like, I don't want to, like, be this guy, so I'm going to be your youth pastor for a second. Like, going and getting coffee at 7 o'clock on a Friday isn't bad. If you're alone at 2 a.m. in a car off campus, uh uh-oh. Okay, so I'm just being very transparent. Like, it's you got to establish parameters. That's part of the communication, right? And if the guy's all like, oh, it's like, well, he's out. Get him out of here. Or even the girl, vice versa. Like, we're all very, we're tough on the dudes. Sorry, we're always tough on the dudes. But to be honest with you, it's both hand. Both sides need to set those parameters, communicate clearly what they're looking for in a relationship, but also what they as believers believe is appropriate. And I think the Bible establishes pretty clearly what is and isn't appropriate. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the traits that someone should look for in a potential partner, what do you think are some, what we would call it, like green flags for that, things that are, are good things? And then also we'll follow up with like, what are some red flags? What are some things maybe that you shouldn't look for or maybe is a bad sign if you're trying to pursue dating somebody? Green flags. I haven't heard that. That's fun. Um, what are some good signs? The way they treat, I mean, it's, it's so simple. The way they treat their parents. 
Like the first thing I always look for is how they treat. If they're selfish and they're whiny and they just are like, they know, oh, they're always complaining about their folks. It's like, no. Like they, there has to be, a, and I'm not saying that even if their parents are non-believers sometimes, like I'm not saying that you can't disagree with your parents theologically or politically or whatever, but I'm saying like the first thing that for me was a big deal was always looking to see the respect they gave others. Um, and also for me, it was patience because I know I'm, I'm crazy. So I knew that whoever I married was going to need a lot of patience and be able to give me a lot of grace. Um, the red flags obviously are um, just trust is everything. Like, to me, when you go to bed at night, this is going to be weird. You guys are like sweet babies and you're like, what are we talking about here? But the reality is that like, if your spouse goes away on a business trip and you can go to sleep and you feel fine, that's trust. If you're constantly worried about everything, like you shouldn't, the, the, you know what I mean? When you, you see those two people dating and the guy or girl's always jealous. That is incredibly unhealthy relationship, like incredibly unhealthy. And that's not going to change when they get married. Like there needs to be just an established, like I could send you with anybody and I know who you are in Christ because that's the thing. It's not who they are in your relationship. It's who they are in Christ. They're defined by the Lord. And so they understand that like my actions are more important because of my desire to glorify God. Then it's about my relationship with my spouse. And then it's about my relationship with my children and then my community and so on and so forth. But I think the biggest thing is, can you trust the people, right? And then the second thing is, how do they treat others? And I know that's so like obvious, but we've all seen it, man. I mean, it's a trip. You see these relationships, it's like they're so, he's mean, she's mean, and they don't trust each other. And it's like, why are you still together? We know why you're together because honestly, you, you were inappropriate and now you're codependent. I mean, that's all it is like that relationship that should have been six months is now three years because you slept together and now you're codependent because of you broke God's law and and, and I'm, I'm sorry I said that but I'm just being very transparent like too often I see wonderful young people who should never be in relationships because they sinned and they should honestly just confess their sin guess what it's not the end of the world sin is sin we all make mistakes the real sin I think is the long-term codependency not going to God not confessing not breaking up and not moving on that's a deeper issue in your life than that one-time mistake. Sorry, got a little preachy there. That was so good. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, according to you, uh, does God have a specific person for everyone? Because I've heard people say uh, both things. Some people say, God has someone for me and they'll show up. I don't have to do anything. It'll just happen. And I've also heard people say, I just don't want to miss who God has for me, so I'm going to try out every option I have. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe not every option I have. That sounds a little problematic. Um, man, I'm always teetering between, like, Reformed theology and, like, free will, um, or at least Arminian. You know, the, the Calvinist in me, if you will, is, like, God's sovereign and God has something very clear. But I do think that... Let me say this. God has a plan for your life. And I believe that it's clear that he wants that you are made to glorify him. You are made to evangelize and proclaim the gospel. You are made to make disciples. That is clear. Whether you do that um, at a Fortune 500 company or a small startup, I don't know if it's always as clear. Like we definitely live in a culture. I'm going to be very transparent here in a charismatic Pentecostal context where everyone's trying to find their quote unquote calling. I think scripture is very clear about your calling. I think you're no matter where you go. I know your calling. Where you go and do it, I think God, actually, graciously enough, there's a little bit of, I don't want to say gray, because nobody likes anything abstract in the fundamentalist camp, but I'm just simply saying, like, honestly, like, who you are in Christ and what you're supposed to do is very clear to me across the board. The same thing is, like, 
whether you marry this person or that person, it's like, are you glorifying God? Are you honoring them? Are Does God have a, a one person for everybody? I don't know, because what happens when that person sadly enough passes away and then you marry someone else, right? What about, you know what I mean? Like even Jesus is like, they ask her, what about this woman? She's got five husbands, you know, and like the fifth one. And Jesus is like, well, in heaven, they've all died. Who does she marry in heaven? And he's like, there's no marriage in heaven. So for me, it's like there's a there's a larger spiritual implication to all of this. And so my simple answer is this, no. I don't think that there's this is the only, if I miss it, it's over. But I do think God and his sovereignty and his desire for us to be happy does put people in our place. Like, I'm beyond grateful that I met my friend Christian on a film set and then met his brother Adonis and then met his wife Lacey, who's my sister-in-law because that's Hannah's sister. And I see God's hand so clearly in that beautiful year of meeting these amazing people and setting up. And this morning we woke up and I'm t- we're talking about theology. You know, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Paul Taylor. We're talking like I, I, I couldn't be who I am without without Hannah. I, I'm a better person spiritually because of who she is. That is she is a gift from God. Absolutely. In my life, there's no question who she is as a mother, who she is as a wife, who she is in our community. Like. I have, I have grown exponentially spiritually. That's got to be God, right? Like it's a gift. So how can I say God doesn't have a person for you? But also I, I don't want our young people to be so obsessed with, I'm going to miss it. There's a weird, I'm going to miss it thing here in this culture. And I think you kind of have to rest in the Lord a little bit on that. I don't have a good answer. Sorry. That's the no, that was thing. an amazing answer. <laughs> so as we wrap up, um, just like we've talked about a lot of things, but for students who are listening to this podcast, what do you want them to get out of this episode? Great question. Uh, the, the number one thing is that your number one relationship is your relationship with the Lord. Uh, that has to be foundational. But God has made you a relational creature. Uh, God clearly in scripture is instituting marriage. God absolutely wants there to be unity. He wants there to be a sense of love and respect. He wants the marriage to also be um, a place where ministry can happen. That not only do you have a relationship with your spouse, but with your children, with your community. I see biblically um, a precedent for that. But also I want to say for those individuals who are called to singleness, guess what? The Lord sees you and loves you. Go read 1 Corinthians uh, 7. Uh, There's no question. And for those of you who will never have children, let me tell you this. I absolutely believe that you can be a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. God is absolutely going to burden you ministry. I see many friends of mine who are unable to have children they're married. Guess what? They're still going to be a mother. They're still going to be a father because God's going to use them mightily in their lives. So what I want you to understand is that first you need to seek the kingdom. You need to glorify God. Have fun. We get so serious. You're young. It's a beautiful time to get to know people. The problem is, is that if you cross certain lines, it's no longer gonna glorify God and it's going to become toxic. If you're able to, and I'm just gonna finish with this, I had a couple of friendships that I look back at with young ladies and I realized that actually they were probably dating. Like like these young ladies, we hung out with, I hung out with them constantly, we'd get coffee, we'd go on dinners, we'd hang out and we were just buddies because it was never romantic. And I look back and realize like, actually there was a sense of relational dynamic there. And I actually learned and grew because of these young women. And I'm grateful for those friendships. So it's not a bad thing to date. It's not a bad thing to learn and to grow and and to have somebody speak into your life. But when you cross those lines, my friend, it is no longer going to honor the Lord. You no longer are going to grow. It's going to become codependent. And that six-month relationship is going to become a three-year drain on your life. So I pray that we can honor the Lord. We can guard our heart, but also not be so monastic that we miss out on the beauty of just love. 
I love love. I'm sorry. I'm the artist. You know what I mean? There's something exciting about it. So can we honor God and experience love and romance? Absolutely. I'm gonna get fired for that one, but it's okay. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today, Professor Garcia. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been great to have this discussion with you. And one last thing before we end, what do you think the true fifth pillar is? Oh, um, can you tell me the five pillars or the four pillars real quick? It's his his gospel, gospel. his presence, his ways, and his mission. So his word. Yeah, no, no. Actually, not the fifth pillar, the pillar. (laughs) (laughs) It's his word. Um, But I think in a sense, if you were to talk to President Kim and the cabinet, in a sense, his gospel is like it's all it's all tied in. But I would say like the foundation of the four pillars is his word. So I would say if you want to. So it's the pillar, not even the fifth pillar. It's the pillar, to be honest with you. Um, But but yeah, no, I would say that if you wanted to question one of the fifth pillars, it's it's the word of God, which is the Bible. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. This has been so great. Cool. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I don't know how I'm going to bring this. Yeah, sorry. Feel free to use it, cut it, whatever you need. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just taking notes.